And welcome back to CCL's podcast, Lead With That, where we talk current events in pop culture to look at where leadership is happening and what's happening with leadership. Hello, all my relations. My name is Eagle Woman. I am Blackfeet. I love you. Now, you may have heard this already and didn't know it, and I promise when you heard it was much more eloquently said, but that's how Lily Gladstone opened up her acceptance speech at the 2024 Golden Globes. Now, she said it in her native indigenous tongue, and Gladstone made history on January 7th by becoming the first person who identifies as indigenous to win the best performance by a female actor in a dramatic film. I appreciate you, Golden Globes, for making that title really obnoxious. Um, set against the backdrop of a film that explores the dark and scary, systemized and institutionalized inequities indigenous Americans have had to endure for centuries, Lily's win is more than a good news story. As Lily said herself, this is a historic win. This is for every little res kid, every little urban kid, every little native kid out there who has a dream, who is seeing themselves represented and our stories told by ourselves, in our words, with tremendous allies and tremendous trust and with each other. Today, Allison and I explore ideas like representation, why that matters in the workspace, and how you might help people understand why Lily Gladstone win is a win for all of us. So welcome back, everyone, in the new year. I'm Ren Washington, and as usual, I'm joined with Allison Barr. Allison, I know I hit you with a question first, but instead, Happy New Year. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. When I was like 16, I never could never envision being in the year 2024, 2025. I just think about the Jetsons. I won't even ask what year you were at, in 16. Um, but we're young. We don't have to date ourselves. What year was that? Oh, I I don't know. I'm doing math on the spot. It was a long you time ago. You were told there'd be no math. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. You didn't tell me we were going to have to do addition. I basic, don't know. Basic God, addition. what were we talking about? When was I 16? That was only like 10 years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> rude. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, we're really, <laughs> there you go, Alice. We're really excited to be back. And uh, so here's here's the question. Uh, sticking with that theme for this year, uh, along with the representation. When you think about that, what's the first time you think about that you ever felt seen in the world around you? Is that a good enough prompt or do I need to use the other ones? Seen. Yeah. Well, maybe you could clarify what do you mean by seen? Yeah. And I, I think I know what you mean, but perhaps for our listeners. For sure. Thanks. Uh, I think it's that idea, like the first time that you've maybe been seen in the world around you, where you looked up and you saw someone in a public image where you said to yourself, you know, that person looks like me or that person's like me. Or, or maybe I, I, I see myself represented in there. Really, like I see a future represented in that person. Or, or maybe as an option that's never happened because I had to really think about that one. Me too. I had to think about it too. And I remember being young and I can't remember what age I was, but I was, I loved soccer and I played soccer my whole life. And Mia, so Mia Hamm was that for me. And I remember her kicking a penalty kick. And I don't think it was the World Cup, but some game that my parents had me watch. And I was so excited that there was a, a woman as an athlete being celebrated because I really hadn't seen that growing up. As an athlete, but did it represent anything else for you? Yeah. Loosely, it it showed me or f made me feel like success was attainable. Like I remember her victory, like her um, 
you know the victory position where athletes like raise their arms up to the air and uh -huh. they're like, I don't know how else to explain it in celebration. She was talked about as a successful athlete and, and a successful woman. And I don't know that I really knew what that meant as a young person, but it made me feel like that sort of emotion and that sort of celebration and success as an athlete was possible for me. Whereas my dad was a very athletic, he still is a really athletic person. And so when I was growing up, we, he would talk to me about athletes a lot and, they, mm. and not to fault my dad because I love him very much, but they were always men. And so it was the first time that I heard really anyone celebrate a woman in that same way. I think that's some of what I'm excited to talk about today. There's a couple dynamics, I think, at play uh, when you explore those two ideas. I think maybe one of which is kind of what is the pervasive dialogue or narrative and then why could a different one matter? And I think Lily's win is interesting. Now, I always have my reservations about why institutions give the little guy a shot, uh, but that's my she own nihilism, as you and I will talk more about, but also sometimes my own cynicism. But, you know, I, I really want to explore sort of maybe for the first time, some people are experiencing why representation matters, because maybe for the first time in their lives, they aren't having it in a way they've grown accustomed. Now, I wonder, does that bring a, what, what do you think about that? Well, can you say, just say more about what you, what you mean yeah, I'll about give you, being accustomed? Yeah, perfect. I'll give you a perfect example. You know, I was talking about, uh, to a friend of mine and, and he, he works in this industry of human development. And we were talking about a promo video that a company uh, that we both follow had shot. And it's one of those, like, we're here and we work and we're for the people. And, you know, it's got images of smiling faces. And at the end yeah. of it, we were talking, and I said, what do you think about that video? Because, you know, as like a nihilist and cynic, I thought, you know, well, I don't know if it's saying anything. And, and he said, yeah, I, you know, I can't see a white guy in it. <laughs> and it was an interesting commentary because this friend of mine, he's, he's a white guy. And as a practitioner in leadership development, but also in, in equity, diversity, and inclusion practitioner, that's like one of my biggest big bugaboos. It's my biggest hurdle not to react like the most aggressive snapping turtle at well, what do you mean? Uh, there's yeah. not a white guy. But so that's exactly what I mean there. Maybe it's like someone was telling me I don't feel represented. And I had to get over whatever my reaction was to hear that I what, wasn't represented. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Well, may I ask how you responded to that? Well, it's not the first time that he and I have spoken. And I asked, well, uh, you know, how many more white faces would it have taken uh, for you to feel more represented. Now, uh, we have a candid enough relationship that it was a fast mm -hmm. enough conversation where we we couldn't explore it further. Uh, but yeah. I think that's what you and I are here to do. You know, and I think what I'm keen to do is Fair. kind of say, oh, well, I could understand his point of view. And from a representation standpoint in the workspace, I can understand why some people are reticent. You know, I shared an article with you basically telling us that DEI and out in the world is dying because it's no longer in the zeitgeist. People aren't spending money on it because, well, is there a problem? Does representation matter? And it seems to matter. Well, it matters to your friend because <laughs> he's highlighting that it matters. Right. Which is interesting. But why might that be a hard pill to swallow? Because I know when we both hear the idea, like, couldn't see a white face in there. I'm curious. Let's explore that in the context of why Lily Gladstone's win is more than just a, well, come on, 
the hand me out. Well, I can't help but back us up as we talk about humans because this representation, like I mentioned to you, you asked me that question when was the first time I felt seen um, or represented. I was I was young. I, I don't know how old I was, but I, I might have been in like fourth grade or third grade. I was really young. And so that that triggered me to look into this a little bit from a human development perspective and from a from a career and human development perspective there's researchers that found that aspirations vary based on gender race and socioeconomic status of course however what it found was 36% of children from as young as 7 years old base their career aspirations on people they know and for those who didn't who were not part of that 36% 46% stated that TV, film, radio were the biggest factors influencing their choices and what direction that they can take. And from there, it's from a psychological perspective, it can be really difficult at a young age to have the confidence to pursue professional goals and even to have ideas of what goals are available to you to pursue when you don't see people that share your same identities in those positions. And there's a famous quote by a woman named Marion Wright Edelman, excuse me, and she said that you can't be what you can't see. And that is, in essence, what she's talking about. So it's, it's important for so many reasons because your brain is going to identify with what you see and what you read about and in terms of what's possible. Now, it doesn't always mean that that's not possible for you just because you can't see it, but it gives you a cue as to what's possible for you based on your identity. Yeah, I, and I think you and I absolutely understand that, agree with that, and anyone who's likely to listen to us long enough understands the principle undergirding that. And I guess I'm trying to navigate some of the reaction to now that we're represented or representation is tilting, and some of the reaction to Lily Gladstone is, well, what's the big deal? You know, who cares that she spoken blackly who cares that the story let alone was another story about people being displaced and and not investigated because they were being othered this is but i think i wonder too with all that history and baggage as a practitioner i've got to navigate someone saying like well representation doesn't matter to them but it does matter to me and i think part of what i get to unpack is someone i can't you know, you said something that was impactful as you're reflecting around like what I see, you can't, what I see impacts how I experience the world. I can imagine for this person or for other people like them, it, what they see now are people, women and people of color being hired over men. And all of a sudden they're like, well, I'm a white guy. And in front of me, I see people of, I see white dudes being dashed left and right. I see white guys being misplaced and displaced. And now what about me? And I, I trying to channel the, re, the reality of those feelings and trying to also navigate the truth of our environment. Yeah, and I think some of the language that you just used, I, I hear too. And it's not that women and people of um, differing races are being hired over other people, right? Over white men, for example. It's that they're now being considered and being included. So just because there's representation does not mean that there's anything being taken away necessarily from somebody else. Yes, there's only one winner of that award, of course, but that doesn't, it just means that sh that, that demographic and that identity is now being considered and included, whereas it wasn't historically. I, I vibe with that 
a billion percent because I don't like math. But I, you know, something I say in my bio and then I try to tell people is like, I wish we could get away from this zero sum mentality where if we lift someone else, well, that means that we must be lowering me. And you asked me what I said to my friend when he responded to that video. And I think the root of my response, if we had time to go into it, well, they say this idea of, well, what, what kind of equity would you be seeking? Because there were loads of men in that video. And then, of course, I started thinking about the brilliant science of intersectionality and the experience of marginalization at all these different nexus points. And so it gets me starting to think about these, these, these real conversations that we get to have with one another uh, around maybe the things that matter most to them and how we're sharing some of the same experiences. And then if we can tap into them with that sameness, then we can move away from some of that othering. I think that's where I'm, I'm trying to, to, to get to, is how can we get closer so then when we can recognize that when someone wins this and they talk about the importance of winning it, we can lift that message as opposed to bring it down. Yeah, and it, why do you think people are feeling threatened by that type of conversation? I think it's because it's a departure from the status quo, which was, and I've had a lot of conversations too, I think around like male and white privilege from a lot of white and male people who are like, I've never experienced privilege because of my whiteness or my maleness. If anything, I've only been marginalized for it. I think this would might be my friend's point of view. Like he's never got a leg up because you probably can't see some of the institutional experiences that marginalized peoples might be able to see, or he doesn't agree with them, which is his right. But I think right. it's likely the, the status quo shifting, and then there, there is probably no light at the end of that tunnel. And if I was to get too Freudian about it, I'd probably say the subconscious is like, um, is anyone else seeing uh, what the rest of us are seeing? Uh, this is Bad News Bears. What if they do what we did? But that's me uh, being the cynic and nihilist. So I don't know. Is that a good answer? That's a, yeah, it's a, good, it's a great answer. I mean, <laughs> and it's a, it's a hard question because there's probably a dozen million a dozen to a million yeah. <laughs> answers to that question. And privilege is an interesting concept too, because it doesn't mean that me as a white person, it doesn't mean that I have not experienced hardship. It means that the hardship that I experienced was not because of the color of my skin. The wholeness, yeah. In a nutshell, right? And I know you know this, right? I know you know this already, but it's 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 interesting. And where my where my brain went with this too, which I told you a little bit earlier before we started recording was that I wanted to practice what I preach and start listening more to perspectives that are vastly different than mine. And so I did that. I got on the Google and I Googled some things that I don't believe that are not real for me and watched interviews. And that was a real lesson and practice for me in controlling my emotional response to these types of uh, conversations because some of the interviews that I listened to were describing representation and inclusivity in ways that are, to me, not the definition of either of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I was watching a video, right? So I couldn't chime in, which is probably good. But it was a good exercise for me on maintaining composure as if I was there, right? To be able to have a conversation with someone who perhaps doesn't see these types of initiatives as being valuable or sees them as something that they're not. All right. So now here we go, everyone. We're going to land the plane into what we can do as people who work in this world. And so, Allison, that's what I want to tap into. It's like, I guess, what were you trying to compose yourself against? 
literally? Do you mean literally like the things I was hearing? Uh, maybe not so much the direct things that were being said, but you were trying to steel yourself against some reaction and you were reacting to, I guess, in part some misinformation. So maybe that's it. Like what were the themes that you're reacting yeah. about? Not less so about the, the content, but it's also like the, the ah. energy behind it, the way it's communicated and. Yeah. So, so big picture, the conversations were around topics of EDI being discrimination. This is actually discrimination. And I felt my heart rate speed up yeah. and my face getting like flushed, you know, because that's not what EDI initiatives are all about. And I wanted so badly to be in that room to say like, okay, as somebody who's somewhat educated in this space, or maybe I wouldn't even say that part, but are, can you, um, can I give you a different perspective? And that took me then down a rabbit hole, which we might get into or might not, which is what is the intention behind people who believe these things, right? Like the people who are saying that EDI is actually discrimination, what is the intention behind spreading that messaging? And what can we do about it? Which is a much bigger, that's a much bigger topic than being at the workplace. However, if I were at the workplace, and I am, right? Like I have those conversations with clients a lot, which feels different to me for some reason. Hmm. And I'm not sure why, but it's like I'm at work and I'm expected to maintain composure. And so I can very, very well. I don't know why. And being curious. It's really about, to me, being curious. Okay, you know, tell me, tell me, can you tell me more about what you mean by that? And oftentimes we're on the same page. I just I just had a conversation with somebody, a client, who said they were concerned about where this country, being the United States, was headed. I won't get into the nitty gritty, but when I was curious, we were actually on the same page, even though her point of reference was very different than mine. Well, something you said there is something I absolutely believe in the context of all of this is that we're so much more closely binded to one another than separated that that when given time to kind of move past the flushed face or the blood pressure rising or what I would just consider just our utter lack of preparation and training and having meaningful conversations uh -huh. uh, it is being able to, to recognize that truth, that there are probably certain attachments to certain identities that, that maybe we don't need to hold on to. You know, it's, as you were talking about your own experience and you were saying, well, you know, I don't know why I can't compartmentalize it in my personal life as I, as well as I can in my work life. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not a trained psychologist, but I think we could probably school that together pretty effectively, you and I, and, and probably find out that maybe the stakes are higher in certain places. And then That's I it. think as we shift the conversation to what you can do, listener, if you're leading teams or participating in this conversation, if your your cheeks get flushed, no matter where you fall in the argument is how can we create an environment where we understand our experiences like that it makes sense. And then we start to say, well, where are you feeling value? And then where are you feeling fear? You know, you asked me, where do you think people's fear or apprehension comes from? It's probably this, this value, like, well, what about me now? And I think every human right. cares about themselves in the context of how they need to provide for who they need to provide for. Yeah, I mean, it, well, if I could, like, going back to your original question, which was about being seen, can you answer that same question? Yeah, it was a fun exploration for me because I actually, on the surface, I thought, no, that wasn't a problem for me. 
because I'm a man, a white presenting in this world, there was imagery of of me everywhere. So there was never even the, the frame of reference to not be seen. Yeah, I was always seen. Like a, the world had been built around me being seen. I was having a conversation with my father some years ago uh, during COVID. We were talking on the phone and he was revealing to me in these rare glimpses of his humanity. Sorry, Dad. And, and he was just talking about how he's like, dude, I never saw him because it was a great, we were talking about race. He's like, I never saw myself anywhere. And you know, the only places I did see myself were the villains because in the eighties and nineties, black dudes were the villains. Yeah. I mean, and he was a sci-fi guy. So for him, the only black carriers in Star Trek were the Klingons and Klingons were like these more wandering, like war mongering, bad language, miserable kind of dudes. Right. And then, and they gentrified Worf. And so he was okay. Cause, cause he's one of us. And so that's such an interesting frame of reference. But for me, I maybe the earliest reference I had was a football player named Washington. And I asked my dad, hey, uh, are we related? He, he said, that doesn't exactly work like that. So <laughs> I, I think for me, what it does is give me empathy to understand that I've had a foot in both worlds where I've lived a life where I've only ever seen myself. And someone even beginning to say, well, now we're going to displace you. Naturally, my human fear response would be like, wait, how badly uh, and why? And and just yes, general yes. fear of like, does this does displacement mean dismemberment? And then I have my father's point of view, which is black guys are villains a lot. And and people of color have often experienced that in any kind of white story. So that's my long and convoluted answer to your question. Well, you said displacement. Why why is there a threat of displacement? I think it's some of what we said earlier, like a zero sum kind of response that if I lift others, what is left for me? And naturally, if I could just play devil's advocate, my friend said, well, where are the white faces in this video? Now, I'd have to watch it again. I think there were some white faces. I don't know if the nexus of white male was met. And then, you know, you need to have a larger conversation about, but what about all the other white men faces that you've seen for your entire life? But in that specific example, I could reasonably ask, like, well, yeah, he's speaking to what a lot of people have been speaking to, that they're not included. And so I could reasonably say, yeah, he's like, maybe the pendulum has swung so far to the other way that in a practice of inclusion, we're excluding people. Well, I think people make errors naturally. Like there's, of course, yeah. you know, that happens, but I think yeah. they're not, probably not frequent. And that's such an, I wish we could get your friend on here because I, I would be so curious. Like to me, he's highlighting exactly the point. And um, I would want to ask him, why are you, you know, tell me why it's important for you to see white faces. And he probably would highlight exactly what we're saying. Right. And we're talking about, well, you didn't say inclusion, you said representation, but this, all of this is important because we're, we're, we're not talking about getting rid of difference necessarily. It's about recognizing and valuing the differences instead and about accepting that individuals are original and at the workplace at least building a culture where it's something that's acknowledged and addressed rather than avoided so we're not trying to avoid that there is diversity in the room we're trying to encourage it right and i think what that can look like is that the the whole person air quoting right the whole person and the whole work environment are relevant to an organization's success i mean all if we're if we're boiling it down to numbers and success Time and time again, it's been researched and highlighted that diversity, inclusion, representation helps an organization. So it doesn't mean we're taking positions away from people. It means that we're hiring the right person 
now with everybody in mind and getting rid of our bias that white men, for example, should be in leadership positions, period, end of story. So it's really about opening the door to what's possible. And I, th- I don't know. How does that sit with you? Well, I think the challenge is for practitioners like you and I, for people on the front lines, opening the door for what's possible for us is fielding someone who's feeling unrepresented as if they've completely disassociated from their years of representation. And, and who knows? I mean, that's conjecture from you right now, right? Because that's not fair to that person. I don't, we didn't get into that. It was a commentary. Right. That, and also, this is also the kind of relationship where we poke at each other uh, and, and we'll make jest of the zeitgeist, right? So there's a lot of context right. to be held. But I think ultimately, it's actually the impetus of what I want to, to do. I want to explore a podcast series around some of that, like interview some people on what I think is kind of this, um, this transition where we talk about why representation matters because people, I think, implicitly understand it. But what we've got to do is shepherd that understanding to then action. Where we go, oh, so I shouldn't right. be fearful of Lily's success. I should be happy for her success because it's a representative of the fact that, that we, more of us are getting a chance to win. Right. It almost is like my friend who, who had never, it's like the thing I said earlier, guys who've like never experienced male or white privilege. Is it? The more we can flatten that, the more experiences of joy they're going to have, like the less imbalance there will be generally, because even that thing only really privileges certain people. That white male privilege is really reserved for only certain white males are in the world. I think it's always been that way. We saw it in the Constitution. You know, uh, men were created equal. And by that, we meant property holding men and clearly white men. So it's like there was always this restriction. But maybe this idea that representation matters, we, we hold a safe space for him to say, I don't feel seen. And we go, I understand. It, it's, it stinks, right? Like you said, it's, he's highlighting the issue. And people have felt that for a right. long time. <laughs> so let's all work together to make sure no one feels that pain. I mean, maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can think of a family member of mine who's argued me about privilege and that it doesn't exist. And she's had it really hard. And the truth is, she's had hardship in her life. That is true. That's absolutely true. And for her, what it comes down to, I won't name her, but what it comes down to is that because of her hardship and that some of the things that she's experienced, she has been treated like she's invisible. She has. Not because of the color of her skin. So it's different, right? It's different. Um, as a woman, she's felt that way. And that's that's her reality. And so when she hears privilege, it's interpreted into her brain as like, now I'm even less valued. Mm. I was val- I was devalued already. I was invisible already. Mm-hmm. And now I'm becoming more invisible. And that's not necessarily the case. It is we, we do these like experiences in our programs, Ren, that I know you've done too around social identity. It's so powerful when people share their social identities. And you might not hear these dramatic, awful things. You might not hear that. But it does highlight the humanity and what people's life experiences are. And the fact of the matter is that indigenous women have a lot more hardships than I do as a white woman. A lot more. And the dramatic consequences of those hardships are losing their lives. Uh, so, yeah. so, so yes, like I've had some hardship. Yes, but I'm not being murdered. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we've got to keep the balance. I think what we've been talking about and what's necessary in these places is that we've got to remind that that statement can be true and your family member's suffering can be true at totally. the same time. Not only can they be, yes. they have to be true if we're ever 
going to do any good work that matters about making a difference for people. And maybe that's why we try to have this conversation of why representation matters versus like trying to grab people by the lapel and just, what do you mean? I don't understand <laughs> what you're saying. But this idea yeah. like, no, we, we're on the same side. Like no one wants to feel pain. We all want to feel acceptance. Recognition of someone else's pain is not um, a, a degradation of your own pain. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think too from, gosh, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but I think what people understand about why it matters is the incorrect belief that focusing on representation or really any EDI initiative, again, is, is encouraging the discrimination of those who are not in that group. And that's absolutely not the case. It's more of what you just said. It's about being aware really from like the individual out, right? It's about being aware of my own bias, for example, acknowledging that we all don't have the same access to education, support, housing ex experiences, et cetera. And really like this is positing that all team members, if we're talking about the workplace, right? Like all team members are treated equitably, feel a sense of belonging and value and have the resources and the support they need to achieve their full potential. If it, like, even if we're talking about me and you, Ren, I need different resources than you do to maximize my potential. Just, we're just different people. We have different brains, period. So that's what it's about. And I know it's a lot more than that, but, and I'm simplifying, but I think when you're fed messages over and over and over again, regardless of who's telling you those messages, if you're seeing the same messages over and over again, you start to believe them. There's psychology behind that as well. Yeah. So if I'm being fed messaging that I'm being discriminated against as a white person over and over and over. I'm going to start believing that our brains are quick, Oops. which can sometimes work against us. And sometimes we don't have time to do the research of whether or not that's true. Right. And I don't know, I think it would serve us all to slow down a little bit and take a step back and ask ourselves, is this true for me? Is this actually true? Is Lily winning that award taking anything away from me? If, if my answer is yes, then what, what is it taking away from me? And like really challenging our own beliefs and what we hear. And I think a great way to challenge our beliefs and especially, and we've cited him before and I'll say him again, Barry Ostry, this power and systems, systems mm. thinking, this idea that when you and I engage in a system, one of the biggest pains that we have is that we just don't understand each other's world. Right. And the more we learn about each other, the more we can ease each other's condition. The more I learn about your experiences and believe them, um, the better off we're going to be. And I think most people are well-meaning, and maybe that's the root of why I brought my friend into this conversation, is I've got to believe his experience and feel his pain. Mm -hmm. And then channel that into the right space, regardless of the history. i got to move past that and have a different focus group therapy session about that, but instead cultivate an <laughs> environment to say, yeah, that pain really burns and it stings. How can we create a future where it's not like that? And so in a workspace, when someone tells you that a part of the work sucks or their job really is tough or that they're underwater, then they're rarely fabricating those instances. Now, you might recognize that they have behaviors or habits they can shift, but part of what you need to do first is say, I feel you. That is painful. Yeah. How can we partner together so there's less pain? Oof. Wouldn't that be powerful? Well, can I... Permission to put you on the spot, and if you don't like spot it, we'll me. just tell Ryan to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan, get ready. What, 
So, okay, as, as somebody who has an interracial parents, yeah. what do you want people to understand about your life experience? That sometimes third culture kids, they're called third culture because they, they never really fully represent one part of their familial dynamic, nor do they represent the other part. So they're this third culture. Um, often for me and those I've talked to, we've never been enough. For me, I've never been black enough. I've never been white enough. And so True. typically that can echo through all of our relationships. So from that standpoint, from a representation standpoint, healthy interracial people show me that, yes, they're enough, but also occasionally, especially in your personal relationships, if you're dealing with someone who has interracial history, that might be playing out for them. Um, so a, a recognition Good. of the enoughness and the wholeness. You know, I, I think I've moved past my racial hangups, but I haven't been hypnotized yet. So who knows what's lying in the subconscious? Sure. But I think that's what I would say. Mm. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot like that. Yeah, thanks for asking. I appreciate it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and again, we're simplifying here, but to have those types of conversations at the workplace, who is it? Tell me who it's hurting. It's not hurt. Well, yeah. is, is it hurting anybody? I think you're getting to an important part that we likely just need to be having conversations of what is fair play and holding space in certain spaces for us to explore these things. And really, also, I'm reminded, like, you have to do your own research because Lily Gladstone is just a small piece of a larger puzzle. The story that the, the movie that she was a part of, that it tells, Killers of the Flower Moon, is just a horrendous story of a people's continued to be abused by a system <laughs> of oppression and specific to her indigenous and racial group, maybe not her indigenous group per se, because it's the Osage people versus the Blackfeet. But it, it's just, it's so interesting that get educated. If you care, get educated and then be intentional with your colleagues and friends and say, you know, what kind of conversation needs to happen? And and I know we say that a lot sometimes on this episode, on this show, like get educated and get, make the environment. But the fact that people are mad that Lily won or thinks that it's just a hand me out because she's an indigenous woman uh, might speak to a larger issue. And so maybe it bears repeating. Absolutely. Absolutely. And find out for yourself, too. I mean, go watch the movie then. My guess is that a lot yes, of people who four hours of your existence. I'm sorry. That's okay, but my guess is, uh, and again, this is presumptuous of me, but people who say that kind of stuff maybe haven't even seen the film. So, it, anyhow, I digress. But it's it takes work to challenge our own beliefs, and humans, myself included, we like sameness. We like to be around people who are have the same interests. We like to be around people who validate our experiences, but we love to be around people who validate our opinions. <laughs> and so what would it look like for you to hear from somebody different? You know, like what would that mean for you? And it doesn't mean, like you said, Ren, that just because somebody has a different experience than you, that your experience then becomes invalidated. That's not what that means. And that's not what representation means either or inclusivity. I love it. And that is actually something I wanted to pull on you that I just thought because I was inspired by you as I often am. I know sometimes we think about like, what's a takeaway for everyone that they can zoom in on this thing. 
This is. And I was wondering instead, maybe we could try to focus on we have we work with smart people who are facing big challenges all the time. Yep. And you just mentioned a big challenge. Challenge yourself to get out of the comfort of listening to people who say, yes, you're a brilliant person. Because remember, multiple truths can be so. I can be brilliant and I can have people in my life that don't think I'm brilliant. So I'm wondering if we were thinking about challenges and maybe our shift now towards the end of it's like, what are some of the challenges that we're trying to overcome this year? What are some of the skills, tactics, things we've learned, things we're reading, things we're watching that are helping us get over that hump? And maybe we could take that piece by piece and add that as a little bit of a takeaway for everyone as we wrap up. What do you think about that? Yeah. Do you mean in, like our individual challenges? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yes, okay. continuing to pretend that I'm, I'm, I'm really not a robot. <laughs> I'm not part of the AI overtaking, although uh, it wouldn't hurt if you liked the episodes because the robots remember. Yeah, your picture does exist uh, on the internet, I'm just saying, so you are real. Yeah, I know it yeah. does. But is it alive? Well, I mean, is that me, though, or is that an AI image? We'll never know. Only I know that answer. You do know that answer. You're breaking. And your wife, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, so so what is the question you would like me to answer? And then you will answer as well. Well, I'm just trying to find edges where we're pushing ourselves. And so it's the new year, right? Mm. Often people say, I'm going to try to do this thing. It's New Year's resolution. I'm going to try to challenge this goal. And so I, maybe that's the plan there, Allison. Currently, you just said something I really was inspired by. As it relates to this work, as it relates to representation, push yourself to get out of the circles that just agree with you. Mm-hmm. Regardless of where you fall on the argument, Push yourself to talk to someone new, maybe, or talk to someone that challenges your point of view. And so maybe in the spirit of that, you know, something that I'm personally working on is trying to change my relationship with uh, my phone, which is really a boundaries exercise. And so I no longer use it as my alarm clock. It is put off away on a windowsill. And I have one of those sunrise alarm clocks. And then I try not to touch it for the first 90 minutes of the day. And I just leave it on its windowsill post. I get up, I do my thing. And it's amazing how productive I am. Now, I admittedly, this is one of those Huberman tactics for success, but I started to do it. It's something I want to keep doing. And so that's the challenge that I'm trying to overcome. Create some more boundaries around the things that are just habitual. Downtime, oh, hmm. with my phone up. And then before I know it, I'm like, couldn't that five minutes have been better spent doing something productive or healthy or positive for my existence? Uh, usually the answer is yes. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I'm not a big resolutioner. However, something I've been more intentional about as of lately is to slow down and to what, what I call soften. Mm. I am guilty of coming up with what I would like to say while I'm listening, so I'm actually not listening. And... I want to be more intentional about my conversations with people. This is inside the workplace and external to the workplace. And to soften my edges a little bit, I like dialogue and I actually like debate quite a bit too, but it um, doesn't always have to be that way. <laughs> we could, You could ask Roger about that. We don't have to debate everything, like the way the dishwasher is, you know, loaded. Um, uh, but anyhow, um, that that's something. I know. I just reorganize it. <laughs> I uh. refuse. See, I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I will not reorganize. Anyhow, that's where I need to soften, I suppose. But yeah, I think is is more intentional in my relationships and really 
and this is inclusive of our conversation today, but also much bigger, right? Like, I do want yeah. to hear you. I do want to experience you as a person. I don't want to be in my head all the time where I'm constantly like, what, what am I going to say to that? What's next? What do I need? You know, what do I think about this? When that doesn't always, it's not always relevant to the conversation I'm having with you or whomever. Yeah. Or rarely relevant for the growth that you are likely invested in. It's that thing I always tell people, you want to be right or do you want to be better? This is it. And you're right to be righteously mad to get your cheeks flushed and to be like, are you nuts? And then instead you got to table that. And maybe those are the edges you're talking about softening. And what a great way to tie it back to where we're at. It's like, as we feel these conversations of representation, yeah. whether you think there's too much representation happening or not enough representation happening, maybe you need to just put some space between you and your reactions and just see like, okay, I want to hear you. You know, that's what I appreciate that. It's like, I want to listen to you. That's it. It reminds me of a goal that I have just for myself, maybe right. just generally. My life's work is to be the person I want to be, regardless of how people are around me. Like, can I, can I treat you the same way I would if you liked my idea versus if you don't like my idea? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, a very simple idea. Can I be the same person that I want to be, whether you like me or not? This is. And uh, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, please do. Please do. Yeah. And I, I, I want to clarify because I know that other people have been in the same boat as me where their heart starts to race and their cheeks flush and all of that. That was more that, that reaction I identified more as yeah. I don't have a voice here and they're talking about me Ver versus like. I, I'm not trying to challenge what you're saying necessarily. These people that I was watching on video, of course, is what I'm talking about, but. So like these are the things that are important to clarify too, right? Like it's a small thing, but when you're in conversations around representation, inclusivity, or, or anything at all, right? Like trying not to ident identify or put um, a definitive answer to someone else's reactions. Um, and I'm not like faulting you for doing that, Ren, but like it, it can be a really good idea to be like, okay, like SBI, right? I'm noticing your cheeks are red. <laughs> I'm noticing that you're a little flush. Like what's going on for you versus leaving that table, leaving that meeting, leaving the workplace and being like, oh, Allison was aggressive and emotional or whatever, right? Like doing our best to be more human with one another and in connection. And I know that's corny. I know that just allow me to be corny for a minute, but it, it helps tell if someone can tell me how that hurts, I, I will stand corrected, but it will help you. It will help you in so many ways, not only just in your existence and experience at the workplace, but when you leave and how you relate to other people. Yeah. Tell her in the comments. All right. Yeah. That was no, a bit hardly. of a rant. So thanks for I letting love it. me. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Good way to start the year. Well, yeah, good way to start the year. And I don't know. I, I think we could continue on and on for hours if we weren't careful. So is this a good place for us to stop? Maybe we can pick it up next time. I think so. Great. Well, to we our listeners, we, we hope that you've had a happy new year. We thank you for listening. As always, you can find our podcast and show notes on ccl.org. You can find us on LinkedIn. Tell us what you think about this episode. Tell us what you want us to talk about. And as always, a special thank you to Ryan and Crystal. We're adding Crystal to the mix now and Emily, who work behind the scenes to make this podcast happen. Thanks, Ren. I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Allison. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Find Allison on TikTok. I never forget it. Also, like us on Spotify. I think there's like five likes.